I'm Dawn. And I'm Ashley. We would like to welcome you to the Work It, You Are Worth It podcast. Where two friends sit around and talk about healing, growth, and healthy relationships. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Dawn. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm amazing. Yay. Uh, I am two days. I can say this now. I've been not trying to avoid. I've been avoid trying to say anything because I of timing it coming out. Um, but my kid's coming into town in two days. I'm so excited! Yay! That is amazing. And so I'm, exciting for you. Thank you. I'll be with him for almost a month, nonstop. Nice. Yeah. So, um, gotta take what I can get. So yes, I'm very excited. I can't wait. And then we'll be heading to Texas. So. Oh, I have some amazing news to share, too. I found out on Saturday that I am going to have a granddaughter. Yay! That's exciting. Congratulations. I am I'm super excited. I am stoked. I cannot wait to hold my grandbaby. Oh, I can't. Uh. So, speaking of holding a grandbaby. Oh. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of crazy how that falls. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, we had mentioned kind of talking about letting go of the things we don't necessarily want to let go of. And having a grandbaby really stresses to me that I just need to let go uh, of my 20-year-old daughter's, of my 20-year-old daughter, right? Not like let her go, like detach or like not be around her or not love her, just like her life is her life. It's hers mm-hmm. to live her way. Her child is hers to raise how she chooses. And at this point, she's about to be a mom. She's about to have a little girl. If I didn't already know it, which I did, re- realizing that I'm about to have a granddaughter and putting her gender, her, her sex, however we say it, um, to that idea instead of just saying grandbaby and to be able to say it's a granddaughter, it just cemented for me that my daughter is about to be a mom and she is an adult and I just need to be able to let go even when I don't want to, even though I don't want to. It's not that I don't want to. Maybe it is. I don't know. I guess it kind of is that I don't want to, right? Because... She's my world. She's my everything. She's, yeah. It's, it's, it's really hard to, when Dylan was here and he lived here, it was different, right? He was still down the road. He still popped in a couple times a week or, you know, once a week and he was close and he was all of this. And when he moved, it was, and I know you and I've talked about it and, uh, you know, I've shared this, I think shared the story on the podcast about how him and I had like a horrible fight the, when we got there. And I, I mean, he wasn't, he did not act in his best, he wasn't at the best, his best frame of mind. Um, I wasn't either, but I was, I was still trying to control. I didn't want to let go. I didn't, I didn't want, I, I was leaving, letting my baby, I was leaving my baby my, my ride or die, my, like, the, it's just been him and I for 
was 28 years and I'm leaving him and I'm come, I got to come home and now he's not coming with me. Yes. You know, I find that I get into my most character defect state when I am trying to not let go of something that I have to let go of. Yeah. And it, it's definitely harder with kids. It, I, I agree with you. It is, there's something, I think that mindset, and I, you know, I've shared this, you've shared this, like when we had our kids, it was finally mine. It was something I, it was mine that was going to love me forever and I could love forever. And it was right. Such a, I went in such right. codependent, full on codependent with my, my newborn well, child. That was it for me. It's mm-hmm. and kind of like you and your mom were talking about in your podcast. Like I've talked, we've talked about before is they would love me forever. I, I love my mother, no matter what right. I love my father, no matter what my mother loves her father, no, no matter what, like, that is something that I just, I needed in that moment. And when, when I held each of my children for the first time and felt that true unconditional love, it became my world. Really did. It became my world. And something needed me. Some, this little human needed everything from me. Yes, they loved me no matter what. Yep. At my no. best, my worst, my Right. And and not that that gave me permission to be my best or my worst because no matter what, I love them unconditionally and I was going to be the absolute best I could for them. Right. Like like that like my kids gave me a reason to do and be better and the love that they have to this day for me gave me a in that time gave me a validation that I was enough so in saying that and my oldest two children destiny and jeb I had at 18 and 21 years old, respectively. So I was in a place mentally where they were the only thing that made me feel like I was enough. Looking in the mirror did not feel like enough. My husband at the time did not feel like enough. Going to work didn't feel like enough. But when them two kids looked up at me, the love, the mama, the hug, mm-hmm. the I just, I was enough, period. And not only am I letting Desk go, realizing that she's about to be a mom and she's an adult, at the exact same time, I am realizing that I have no choice but to let go of my son also. Jabba yeah. is leaving in five, six days. And it's a little different. Des is right up the road. I can call her and say, hey, baby, I miss you. I love you. You Come have dinner with me. And she can come over and have dinner with me. Jebba is going to boot camp, right? He's not going to have a phone for nine weeks. And then he's got nine months of training after that. He's not going to be home probably ever again. And letting go of things I don't want to let go of, even though I am at a much better place emotionally where 
their love does not make me enough, I'm not yet at a place where I know how to let go. I mean, I, I'm getting there. I'm working to it. I know how to do it. The, the tools are here. That's a great way to say this. What are the tools? Let me be quiet for a minute. Dawn, what are some tools? <laughs> <laughs> well, Sorry. You, you know, you're good. I, I was I totally like forgot that we were doing this. I was just so engrossed in what you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> I me was too. All, I was all in my feels and the whole bit. Um, whew, so you caught me there. Um, I think you said you said one thing that I think is the biggest tool is finding you how you are enough I am enough that tool that getting to that point because I think there's where for me has always been the struggle with right when you said it with my kids is I wasn't enough just me so they defined I was defined as a mother right I'm defined as a mother I'm defined as an accountant I'm defined as a codependent I'm defined as right but that isn't all Dawn is Dawn is meant. So, go ahead. Sorry, Dawn is what? No, Dawn is. Dawn's got to figure out what she is, and so I have to implement tools to be able to do that. So tools are finding like-minded people, people like you, that I can share and have this intimate conversation with. That somebody that gets how I feel about my children. Sorry. So I, I before we go further, I, the first tool that you said that I heard was figuring out how what you're let what you're struggling to let go of, figure out what you get from it, and then figure out how you can get that without it. Right. Correct. And then the second tool I, I hear you talking about now is a trusted, healthy friend. Correct. And not just a trusted, healthy friend leaving. With Jeb leaving this weekend, it'd be hard to go to a, someone that doesn't have children. Correct. They, they just won't get it the same way. Exactly. So you are my go-to person to talk to about my children because I know you love your children the exact same way I love my children. Yes. We are very similar in that way. So finding a like-minded, safe friend that you can actually have a vulnerable conversation with, you, you'll challenge my thoughts. You'll right. Make, right. You give me, you'll say one, two little things that, and it takes me down a different path to look Correct. at it differently. Someone that cha and I challenges, but not challenges that makes sense. Yes. And I think that that is so important. See, if I go to the person who I, whether it be conscious or subconscious, if I go to the person who I think will give me the answer I want to hear, I am never going to get an honest answer. Right. If I go to the person who may not be my absolute best friend, but will always be honest with me, then I'm going to get a different perspective right. that may or may not agree with mine. It's important to be very, very careful who that healthy, trusted friend is. And the other side of that too, Don, if I go to someone who is unavailable, I love Nick. Nick is amazing. He is absolutely amazing. 
he does not understand why I am struggling so hard with job leaving. I mean, I think he understands it and he tries really hard to be empathetic, but he just doesn't, he doesn't know what to say. He doesn't know how to act. He's just, it's just not his forte. There's a difference, I think, going to, going to a male man versus a woman as a mom, right? I need to go to another mom. Yes. Moms understand moms. And like I said, that's why I can come to you and I can I can talk about this. I can't go to a male friend. I can't go to, right? It just, it's not going to work because again, now it's not a like-minded person. Sadly, right. women and men think differently. We think. Right. And so we have to remember what are we what are we going to this person for and can they do they have the capacity to be able yes. to relate to my situation I'm, that's a go ahead big thing not just do they have the capacity to relate to my situation but do they have the capacity to provide what it is that i need exactly i'm not going to come to you about dating when's the last time you right. dated I mean, it's been like 17 years, right? <laughs> Why would I come to you? Dating looks completely different than it did 17 years ago. Yes. So I need to, I would need to go to another individual that is out there in the actively or has been actively dating recently to talk about those struggles. That's nothing to do with you, has nothing to do with you. Not in like, Not right. And you don't take it personal. You like, you'd be like, why would you come to me? I mean, now. I've been in a relationship and I have come to you with things and again through a very loving healthy place have challenged my way of thinking. All right. So it's it's but that's understanding what I'm looking for. It's understanding I don't just go to anyone anymore. I can't. Right. Like so a, a great analogy is you wouldn't go to the hardware store for milk, which right? we've talked about. But you could get milk at the gas station. Yeah. But why would you want to pay that price? Really, just go to the grocery store and buy the milk. Exactly. It might. Right. I could give you great dating advice. I could. But you're not necessarily going to come to me first for dating advice. Exactly. Now, if I want somebody to be honest with me, I'm coming to you first. I'm going to you or I have another sponsee that I would go to first that, and I actually am thinking my other sponsee is who I would go to for a dating, a dating conversation because she is actively dating. She's in that world. She is living a healthy life lifestyle, right? But I could go to either one of you and get hardcore reality. Like you're right. not going to sugarcoat it for me. You're going to be like, let me give you another perspective. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on here. Yeah. Yeah. See, and that's why my best friend is who she is. She will very quickly be like, Ashley, you're a little bit emotional right now. You <laughs> might want to wait a minute. She she is very like, hey, hold on a second. That I don't really see it the same way. What about this? Thankfully, thank God, we have that relationship with her. Actually, I've had that relationship with all of my friends in adulthood. Even the couple that I can think of offhand that I'm no longer friends with, we were still very 
I am going to be honest with you. I am outspoken. And I think that comes from just being up until here recently, I was a brutally honest person. Um, and now here recently, I am much more authentically honest. Mm -hmm. And I think that just being that attracts those same like-minded type of individuals. Right. So going to the right person is a huge thing to consider when talking about letting go and when talking about letting go of something that I don't want to let go of. And there's another aspect of, of going of where to go. And that's your higher power. I was just getting ready to say, so before we go much further, right? The third tool that I was going to say, I'm so glad you said it. It's like we read each other's minds. The third tool, in my opinion, is that I have to have a strong relationship with my higher power, especially when we're talking about human beings that I love, that I have to let go of, whether that be my children, a death, a loss, an addict, an alcoholic, whatever it may be. I have to let go of a human being that I love. And for me, if I did not have an unshakable faith that my higher power loves the folks I love and is the same higher power they have, whatever they call them, they are connected, they are the same, that is my belief. If I did not have the belief that my higher power loves them and will keep them safe and will protect them to the best of their ability, will do the right things for them in their lives, then I would not be able to let go. I would be trying to control my adult children from God only knows how many miles away. Work, I, I have to go to my HP for work. I have to, um, when I'm having a moment at work and I'm struggling, that's, that's where I go. Because usually it happens so, so quickly and I need to work, just get it, get through it at that moment. Best place to go is my HP. Hey, I need Anytime. You, right, you're right. I need you to take this from me. I need you to take this from me. So I used to struggle sleeping. I And I, I, I still take medication to sleep. But even with my medication, I would still not sleep. I would just constantly overthink, rehash, rehash, rehash the entire day. Conversations from a year ago. Conversations that were going to happen in a year from now. Just everything was just da 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 Every night now, before I go to bed, I say to my higher power, I need to sleep. I need to get a good night's rest. I need to be able to function tomorrow. I need you to take everything that I'm carrying and I need to let it go. And I'm giving it to you and I'm not going to worry about it. And you now I can fall asleep within minutes. That's amazing. Because I trust, right, just because I give it to him doesn't mean yeah. I'm not going to get it back. Never anywhere right. did I say I'm giving it to you and you can't give it back to me. Right, right. right now. I, the best thing for me is to get some sleep because if I don't get take care of myself and get enough rest, I'm not going to be able to handle tomorrow. I'm not going to be able to handle the next day. And I think that is another tool is taking care of yourself. It's funny that you say that. It's not. It is. It's fun, not ha-ha funny, but funny like, I don't know how funny, like odd. I don't know. Um, so I there's this saying that 
one of my bosses used to say all the time, and I don't remember exactly how it goes, but it's something along the lines of, back in the day, you would put your bottles of milk, so the, there used to be a milkman yeah. that would come to your house, and he would drop off the crates, and you'd have full bottles. And then you would put your crate outside the door in the evening with your empty bottles, and he would take those empty bottles and the problem, right? The problem is an empty glass bottle and this magic milkman would take this empty glass bottle and he would give you a full brand new bottle. Mm -hmm. So I used to have this boss that would say, that is just like what you do with your problems. So every day when you get home from work, you set your problems down at the door. You physically go through a list of problems that you have about work and you set them down at your front door and you leave them there. You go into the house, you do whatever you got to do. At night before you go to bed, you take your personal problems and you set them down at the bedroom door, at the front of outside the door, and you leave them there. Yep. And then you go in, you do whatever you do, meditate, pray, however, and you go to bed. In the morning when you wake up, your problems are still there, right? They're, they're, they're not going to disappear, but somehow they're a heck of a lot smaller yeah. and they're a heck of a lot lighter. I have very clear boundaries in my in my in my home. Um, my bedroom does not have a TV. My bedroom is not a place to just hang out. My bedroom is very intentional. It is my it is a place of peace for me. Work doesn't go in there um, unless I have to. And I have right. I have no other choice. Coda doesn't even go in there. Nothing goes in there. That is my sanctuary. That is my place of peace. And that is a tool that I have found that is, is beneficial to me. Is because that place is a safe place. Bad, That's awesome. Bad juju doesn't go in there. <laughs> right? <laughs> Gotta have a safe place. There has to be. And I'm sitting here thinking about it as you say it. My car is my safe place. That is my safe place. So when I get in the car, typically there's no arguing in the car. There's no bickering in the mm -hmm. car. And if they begin to be arguing or bickering in the car, I have 12-inch subs and really good speakers. So I just crank my radio up to the point that I can't hear it. Right. And, I, and as rude as that is... My car is my happy place. I, I do not have negativity in my car. And very, very quickly, the people that ride in my, my car learn, I'm not going to have negativity in my car. Exactly. So it works. It, it works for me. I mean, the people like my kids and Nick and it doesn't always work that way. But <laughs> it's, it's important to have a place where... We don't do negativity. This is a positive place. This mm -hmm. is a happy place. This is a good place for me. Yep. So getting back, what is another tool? We've talked about a few that can help to let go of something when you don't want to. Um, um, I would say journaling yep that was the one i was going for i was waiting i was going to give you an opportunity <laughs> that's where i was headed that's where i was headed to yeah i mean i would definitely say journaling because writing allows you to get out the things that you 
don't even sometimes know you're thinking. Yeah. I had a sponsee that she struggled with journaling. Um, and I had asked her, you know, I do with all my sponsees, write a letter to your mom, write a letter to your dad, write a letter, write, 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 write. Um, and she's just, I, I just, I don't know what to say. I can't. I get started. I stop. I, right. I'm like, set a timer. Five minutes. Put your pen to paper. Don't plan anything and just write. And that's how she got through her, like her, her struggle with it. Because what she was doing was she was overthinking it. She was thinking it was going to be a right or a wrong situation. And it, it's not. Journaling is not right or wrong. It's, I'm, I don't want to, I'm struggling letting go of this. Why am I struggling to let go of this? But that requires honest communication with yourself. You have to be honest with yourself on why you're doing it. So yeah. I actually, this um, same sponsee that um, was struggling with journaling actually called tonight, we were talking and she's running into this issue right now that she has done so much work and she's such in a great place with her, her kids and work and she's get you know, she's getting out into the world um, and, you know, meeting up with, with people and friends and doing things and, but her ex-husband has been reaching out because he quit his job and now he is going to be, he doesn't have any food or he d is not going to be able to pay his rent or he's not going to, um, and actually she's shutting himself, like he's supposed to be getting on his, on his own phone by the end of the week. Yep. And so I have kind of challenged her, take your power back, block him. You got to do the work first, but block him because own your own power. Don't let it just be, this was my easy way out. Take, right? Own your power, but you got to figure out first, you got to work through the stuff with him first. So tonight she says, I feel so bad for him. Like I feel like he's this and I, I wrote about it and I did what you said and you know, she's, she's going on about how, you know, I just, I don't know I, what, if I should, you know, do I help him out? Do I not help him out? I feel guilty. I feel, you know, and I, and I was like, let me interject for one second. Sure. Sorry, before you go on. Cause I, you have not told me anything about this. I don't know this person's name. It sounds to me like she's struggling with letting go. <laughs> and that's exactly what it is. So I said to her, and that's, you know, so it's funny you picked this topic. And this isn't funny. It's not funny, haha, like you said earlier. This is HP working all day. Um, right. I said to her, let's take him out of it. This has nothing to do with him. Let's take him out of it. Because what she was doing, and she admitted then the writing she had done, was all focused on him. And about yes. how he's, where he's at, and how this is going to impact him. And I'm like, how is this going to impact you? What are you to me, you're not letting this go. Why do you feel that? Why do you want to hang on to this? Why do you feel the need to control this? What would happen if you let go? What is, and not from him, but from you, what is it? If you let go, what would happen to you? I Was said, she able to come up with it? No, she's going to work on that this week. So, right, it, 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 and it's very similar, like all of it. So I think about, 
this situation from work the, uh, the other a few weeks ago, and I, I can't go into too much detail. I just can't. Yeah. But I felt very guilty for this person. And it wasn't when I examined the issue. So at first I felt guilty. I felt like I really wished I could have done something more. I wished I could have done something different. Like, what was she going to do? And I, I just felt really, really guilty. And then I had some time to process. And in that time to process, I turned it from her to me, like you were saying. Instead of thinking about how, what was she going to do? And she was going to be left without this or that. And how was she going to do it? And worried about her and feeling guilty because she was going to be in some type of spot without, because of this action. And after time to process and realize and stop focusing on me or stop focusing on her and start focusing on me, I was able to realize that, wait a minute, I did everything I possibly could. I actually did more than I probably should have to not be codependent. I went above and beyond in multiple ways on multiple times, and I was really, really good to her. So this guilt that I'm feeling now that I've examined it and I've really looked at it, I don't have any guilt to feel. And I was able to let go of that guilt and to let go of wanting to help this person, which would have not been help at all. It would have been codependent and detrimental. Mm -hmm. And that didn't mean that I never felt guilty about the situation again. It's, it's really crazy, right? I processed it. I realized I had no, no reason to feel guilty. I stopped feeling guilty in the moment. And over the course of the last four or five weeks, there have been a handful of times, probably four or five times over the last four or five weeks, where I have had to remind myself I will be walking around in the day and all of a sudden I will be reminded of this person and I will begin to feel guilty again. And I have to go, uh, -uh wait a minute. We've already processed this. I've already examined this. I have no reason to feel guilty. So early that is what writing does. Yes. So earlier I said, you know, that she didn't work like she hadn't gotten worked it through all the way now i want to say this she did come up with the right responses and i'm putting right in air quotes right she knows like she can say i know it's because i'm trying to control i know it's because obviously right, but why but exactly and that's we might logically know but the journaling gets us deeper into the why yes. and it might take three or four or five times of actually sitting down and journaling to get to the true understanding of it and i love so, i love what you said about the fact that just because you did the work doesn't mean it didn't come back up because i think that's one of the things everybody thinks should happen and wants to happen is oh i worked it now i'm done well no that's not the way this works Right, I'm right, always, I have to remind myself. Yes, I'm always working this program. I'm always trying to have a better and healthier relationship with me. And that the only way to do that is to get to know myself better. And I am a very big onion. Yes. Well, so before we go further into that, I wanted to say, too, you were talking about you might have to write about it three or four times. When we talk about Jeb 
going to boot camp, I have literally written in my journal about that every single day, at least a paragraph or two for, gosh, at least a week now. Mm -hmm. And off and on for months before that. It might take six months to process something. It might take six months of writing every single day. It just depends on how entwined we are to that thing and just how much untangling is needed, right? I mean, if you have a double knot that only has two little knots in it, it's going to be a lot easier to get out than a freaking triple knot that's quadruple tied and (laughs) turned inside out on itself. And you know what I mean? Like one of the things you said, you know, it's like Jeb leaving is not about Jeb leaving. It's has nothing to do with Jeb leaving. There's something in you that you've got to work through for yourself. Jeb is leaving. That isn't changing. Nothing is, that's just is what it is. It has nothing to do with Jeb. Like there's nothing wrong with Jeb. I guess that's what I'm trying to say, right? It's not about him. It's about. As you say that, I know how true it is, right? It rings very, very true in my heart. I can feel the tears in my eyes. I can feel the truth behind that statement when you say that. And as you say that, I am asking myself, what is it? What is it? What is it? It's not the validation. It's not the unconditional validation and love. That's, nope. I, I, I don't need that from him. I, and I have that from him no matter where he is. I don't know what it is. I cannot yet touch. I know it's there, mm-hmm. right? I, I, I can sense it. I can feel it. I know it's true. I know it's there, but I cannot yet touch what it is. And again, that's just going to take some more of these tools and some more of that journaling and some more discussion with healthy friends and processing. One of the things I've struggled with is, and especially with, with, with my kids, um, really with my kids is the, when they like with Dylan leaving, there was this feeling of, you know, I, and I shared this with you a while before when it happened, guilt, there's a, a layer of abandonment, right? That where, oh, another person is leaving me. I'm going to, yes. be, I'm going to be alone. And it's hard. I think this is where this is hard with our kids because our, our worlds have been them for so long. And yeah, I had that mentality like we said, or the first thing we said about, you know, with here, this little, this beautiful baby is born that is mine and is going to love me and unconditionally. And I, and he's going to be my world and I'll have them forever. I'll have them forever. And then all of a sudden, there they go. And I tell people, I tell my, my biggest advice for, New parents. So, you know, you, you know, you'll play that game at the showers and they'll say, right. Yes. My biggest advice for them is don't blink. Yeah. Well, I mean, don't blink. And also. Because oh. that's what happened to me. I blinked and my kids are now adults. Me too. And I don't know that there's really any stopping that. No. You can't help but to blink. I don't. I want to blink for them. Right. You know, I, if, if I could get my daughter, if I could tell my daughter one thing before, before I say that, I, because I will forget if I don't say this. 
Grief is what we're talking about. Yeah. Letting go of something we don't want to let go of is how I titled this when we were talking about this. And it's what I've been saying before in this podcast. Really, it's just grief. And grief isn't necessarily a negative, right? I'm not grieving my granddaughter. You heard me in the beginning. I'm super excited about her. But I am grieving my daughter being a child. She is Mm -hmm. an adult now. She is not mine. She is her own. And everybody everybody ties grief. That is a grief. It is. And everybody ties grief to death. But grief happens in everyday life. I can be, I can grieve that my pint of ice cream is gone. And I I say that very lightly, right? I mean, kind of as a joke, but. But it is a form of grief. It is, right? I want that ice cream and I have to let go of the fact that there is no more ice cream. I have to let go of that one of that ice cream. That is a form of grief. Losing a job, a divorce, a even just moving. You can have grief. Change can cause me to feel grief coming back from vacation Um, a wonderful cruise there's grief there was i had to let go of being in the middle of the ocean it was amazing (laughs) (laughs) so but what what i was gonna say before i went to the grief to jump back and forth like i tend to do sorry welcome listeners to the life of ashley (laughs) (laughs) what i was gonna say is if i could say one thing it If I could give one piece of advice to my daughter that any pregnant person, any person, not just pregnant person, any soon-to-be parent, if I could give one piece of advice to them, it would be to always understand that we will let them go. Yeah. If I understood that from the beginning, and people told me that. I remember my dad telling me, their ears for forever they aren't yours at all you're gonna have to let them go eventually they all leave home and i just blew it out the window and and, like it didn't even matter like yeah i know no big deal but they were mine forever that was it they're not they're not mine and they're certainly not going to be mine forever and they are not going to be with me forever they are going to leave and we want them to it's a good thing even though we are going to grieve it so one thing that popped in my head when you were when you were you were talking about that was they're leaving they're going to leave us we want that that's what we want for that's what we want them to do that's right that should be every idea every that's how should we we should think about everything in our lives nothing in our lives is permanent except for one thing change and me that's true me me i am the permanent i am the only one i am the only living being that will be with me until the moment i die Mm -hmm. my children will go have their lives which i I brought them into this world to have their lives. Coda is going to go on and and exist and right all these my my parents and wor- jobs and friends and romantic partners. None of that is guaranteed. None of it. Yeah. 
I'm guaranteed. As long as I am taking a breath, I am guaranteed. So we grieve all of these things, but we don't take it back to what's important. And that's us. Why don't we grieve when we let ourselves go? Probably because we don't have ourselves most of the time, right? So I didn't ever let go of myself. I never had myself to begin with. I I don't ever remember feeling as connected to me as I do here and now today. From a very, very, very young child, I was taught to sit down and shut up. I was taught to stop crying. It doesn't hurt. You're not dying. There ain't nothing to cry about. And your emotions are wrong. And in my situation, a lot of times, if those things were not done, then physical pain would follow. So there was no option. So from a very, very young age, I taught myself that I was wrong and I didn't like me. I disconnected. I separated. And therefore, I don't ever remember having myself in order to grieve letting go of myself. Yeah, that is a really good point. That is a very good point. Because I grew up hearing the very similar things. And one of the things, like I never was taught that I, I had value. Nobody had to teach me to walk. Nobody had to teach me to crawl, right? Certain things we just do. That's just the way, you know. But to have value for myself was so how would I know to have value? How would I know if that I was valuable if, if nobody teaches me I'm valuable? And that goes with val- my feelings being validated. My thoughts. That also goes very close to, sorry. No, you're um, good. That also goes very, very close to being good enough, right? Yeah. Being valuable is, I would come home. I remember there was one time, not one time, several times. There was one time I had this really, really hard test and I came home with a 99 and I was so happy that I got a 99. Every other kid in class failed that test and I got a 99 and I handed it to my mom and I was so happy and she lost her crap because I didn't get the bonus question and I would have gotten 104 if I'd have gotten the bonus question. I was not good enough. It was never enough. And every time I started to do, I, I, like, right, every time I reached that, that goal, the line would move five feet. Yep. Right. Okay, you got this. Now you got to do this. And yep. there was never a, it, it was just never enough. Not only was it like that with my parents, it was like that with school. It was like that with television. It was like that with work. It has continued to be like that with work throughout our society in American culture, it is never enough. So getting back to the idea of grief and um, working through that, you know, you said about letting, like I never had myself and understood myself. So there was nothing ever to grieve, but there is that, point where you have to realize where you're at and I had to grieve what I knew oh yeah it not only did I have to grieve what I knew but I had to first destroy what I knew yes and then I had to grieve 
I think I had to grieve the guilt of destroying it. And then the actual letting go, I was able to, to, to finally do and grieve. So that's one so, of the things that I, you know, it's like, and I love, you know, I love the program and all of that. But I think that's one of the things with the steps. It's almost like letting go is so early in the steps. And it's kind of hard because unless I know what I'm letting go of, it's hard to let go. Yes. And I, I, I'm like the re, there are steps there. They work the in the order they do. La da la da. But I think that's part of what we have to give back to people is that understanding that every step of the process, you're letting go. So when I get through step four and five, I have to let go. The more yes. I know about me and the more I understand me and the way I think and my, my patterns and my behaviors, I have to let that go. I have to grieve that and then let it go. Do you know, though, before I can even let go of that, first I have to let go of everybody else. Yeah. And it's really hard to say that, but I think back to myself and before I could even start to focus on what I had lost within me, I first had to stop focusing on everyone else. I had to let go of fixing the people I loved. And the only way I could do that was to accept that they were going to be where they were and that was okay. And sometimes to do that, you have to detach with love. I had to detach with love from my mom. My therapist said, you got, you got to stop talking to her. You need to not talk to her. And I want you to not, not talk to her for X number of weeks. And I actually did that early in recovery. And it was good for both of us. She didn't understand it. She didn't need to understand it. But it was the best thing for me. And I still at times have to detach with love with her. Yeah. I mean, I I have definitely had to detach with love from a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So for me, detaching with love simply means my, me and my metaphors, it's hilarious. Take (laughs) a great big, huge tied up ball of yarn. And when I detach with love, I'm just untangling it a little bit. Yeah. The more I detach, the more I untangle. The more untangled I am, the more detached I am. Whether I am six inches away because I'm still attached super close to that knot or I'm six feet away because I'm super detached just depends on my relationship with those people or that situation. Right. The yarn is still there or the string is still there. It didn't go anywhere. It's just not enmeshed. It's not entangled. Right. It's not all twisted together. It's still connected. Yep. It's just not all twisted and tied together. And that's the di- difference between detaching and, and cutting someone off. Right? When I cut someone off, there is no string left. That thing is cut. It is burned. It is disintegrated. There's no string left. I could create a new string. I could maybe try to piece the old string back together. But I have. they are cut off. There's no string left. But, when I detach, they're well, still connected. They're still a tie. What happens if they get mad? So what? Well, but yeah. I've detached. But, but if, if I, but if they get mad or what happens, I mean, like, gosh, I'm going to feel bad. I'm going to feel guilty. 
Well, then that's where we got to process that guilt and decide if it's earned or unearned and remind ourselves of whether or not we should feel guilty. Um, I, I, frankly, when I detach with love, the other person's thoughts, feelings, and opinions are not involved in that at all. Mm -mm. Um, If I'm getting to a point, if I am detaching, it is because I am too entangled and it is not healthy for me to be as entangled as I am. So when I am detaching, their feelings are not of my concern because I need to take care of me first. So how can can you say that to someone? How would you say that to someone? Would you say it to someone? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. I think it depends on the situation. It depends on the person. Um, there are some situations in which uh, we detach with love. So... Imagine a situation at work, right? Maybe I've been doing, helping the receptionist and that's not my job, but every single time I have free time, I go over and I answer phones and I make appointments and it just becomes something I do and I do it all the time. And now I'm starting to feel resentful and I'm starting to feel overworked and I'm starting to feel underpaid. So I need to detach. My boss is not going to like that I stop helping the receptionist. The receptionist is not going to like that I stop helping her. I'm sure there's other people in the building, and I'm, I don't do anything involving a receptionist, so this <laughs> is not a personal example, but I'm sure there's other people in the building that would not like it. It doesn't matter. That's neither here nor there. That has absolutely zero bearing on the fact that I feel overworked, underpaid, and I am feeling resentful. And the only way that I can find a solution to that is for me to pull back and not answer the phones, then that's what I'm going to do if answering the phones isn't in my job description, right? Or I've used the example with my mom, right? My my mom likes to talk to me about my brother. And, And my mom doesn't necessarily like the things that my brother, one specific situation that my brother is involved in. And... I am sick and tired of talking about it. I will not talk to her about it anymore. First of all, it's out of my control. Second of all, it's none of my business. Third of all, her opinion is sometimes extreme and her emotions behind her opinions are always extreme. And I am not in a place where I have the bandwidth to deal with that. So anytime my mom begins to talk to me about my brother, in this situation, I say, Mom, remember, I'm not talking to you about that. If you don't change the subject, I'm going to get off the phone. And she then has two options. She can either continue to talk about that, in which case I say, all right, I said I wasn't talking. I love you. I'll talk to you later. Click. I do not give her an option. I hang up before she can respond. Right. Is that rude? No. Maybe. (laughs) I don't think it's rude. Maybe it is. I don't care. Right. I'm telling her I love her. I'm creating a boundary and then I hang up. Exactly. And. Right. You created the boundary. I love you. I'm not. I said I'm not going to talk about this. I love you. Goodbye. Done. Done. That's it. And if she chooses to change the subject, I'm not angry because she brought up my brother in that situation. I don't hold that any resentment because she brought it up. I clearly stated I wouldn't talk about it. And if she didn't change the subject, I would hang up. So now she changes the subject. So we go talking about the weather. Yeah. Or we talk about my nephew or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's 
it, it it's a lot more difficult in my head than it is in practicality. It took me five years of screaming, yelling, and fighting with my mom before I realized that the end call button is really easy to press. Shouldn't have to agree to it. Nope. All I got to do is hit end call. Why would I expose myself to someone who I do not feel good when I am around them? Disconnect. Detach. Remove. Doesn't have to be permanent. It could be situational. It could be, right, The maybe I'm with an alcoholic and I don't like it when he drinks. So when he drinks, I go away. The more he drinks, the more I'm gone. Maybe I'm never home. Maybe we're divorced. Who knows? It works its way up there. It could be progressive. That's the word I was going to say. It could be situational. It could be progressive. Circling back to our the conversation with our kids, I can do that. I love my kids with all my heart. I would be them. I'm be there for them whenever they need me. But I can also detach with love with them. If they're engaging or interacting or behaving in a way that I'm not comfortable with, all right, if you want to speak to me that way, I'm out. And I turn around and I walk out. And we, I know you um, have had this, we, I know you've talked about it in a situation, and I'm trying to remember what the situation was. One of the kids. With Destiny. Yeah, I think it was. And I'm just trying yeah, to. Yeah, with Destiny. Right? It's not um, It's not that you don't love them. You still love them with all your heart. It doesn't mean anything. You're not abandoning them. You're not doing not anything. It's just I do not have to put myself in this position with you and and endure what you're what you're trying to give me. I'm out. And another way of detaching is and and yes, I agree with everything you just said. And another way of Thinking about detaching with love is exactly what I'm doing with Destiny and Jeb. I am giving them the space to live their lives. I am working through untangling this ball of yarn. So instead of being three inches from the knot with Des, I'm like a foot and a half from the knot. <laughs> and with with Jeb, I'm going to be like, I don't even know, 500,000 miles from the knot. Who knows? But the further we detach the better off we are frankly because it's out of our control the only thing i should be super attached to and super entwined with is myself exactly and my higher power yes so how do we actually let's i'm gonna table i'm gonna ask this question but i think this will be a great podcast for next time Absolutely. How do we go about developing the relationship with ourselves? Ooh, that's a good one. I'm going to write it down so I don't forget. I'm texting it to you right now. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. I think that is an amazing one. Um, Let's think about that this week. And we'll be talking next week about how we develop the relationship with ourselves. All right. Sounds good. Ashley, I will be thinking of you this week. Um, Mama, you did good, baby. You did good. Thank you. I will. I will be all right. I will be all right. Oh, yeah. That I don't. I'm not even doubting. That's not saying. Next week will be interesting because I drop him off Sunday night and he gets on the plane Monday morning and we record Monday evening. So. 
Nobody said it's not going to be hard. But That's it. It'll be all right. Um, thank your son for doing service for our country. Um, sh- I'm sure honored will. to have heard so much about him, and I can't wait to continue to hear about him. And I wish him the best of luck. Thank you. All right, everyone. I hope you all have an amazing week and dawn it has been another wonderful conversation as always yes it has and have a great week and i will talk to you soon all right bye bye we would like to thank you for joining us on this journey of self-discovery visit the work it website at workityouareworthit.com to submit your questions and topics for future episodes and remember work it because you are worth it